Luke chapter 1, amen, and we'll start with verse 5, and I, I'll just say up front, I, I typically wouldn't read so many verses, but I think it's incumbent upon us to hear it. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abiah, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. They were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. They had no children. Elizabeth was barren, and they were older. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office, or he did his job before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, so he's learned this through the years, his job, his lot, was to burn incense. So he'd go into the temple of the Lord and take care of the altar of incense. The whole multitude of the people, they prayed until his job was done. And then, and then of course, there could be some entry. He's inside and there appears an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. So he can't miss him. So just think for a moment. The angel of the Lord is in the way of the duty of Zacharias. All right. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled. He, f he was fearful because there's the angel of the Lord. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son. Thou shalt call his name John. Now, when was that prayer prayed? I, I would submit to you, it was not prayed recently. That was an old prayer. <laughs> that was a prayer he was praying when he thought she could have a baby. But he no longer thinks that. So the prayer that has been heard and going to be answered is so old that he has lost faith that it would ever come about. The prayer that you pray, we're ready to give an answer. And Zacharias is saying, wait a second, you know, I, I really forgot about that one. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and you're going to rejoice in the birth of the son. He's going to be great in the sight of the Lord, and you're going to make a commitment for him. No wine, no strong drink. He will fill the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. John the Baptist is the human plank between the Old Testament and the New Testament, and there's no one like him. He's going to go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the father to the children, disobedience to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. He's, he is going to be the forerunner of someone greater. John's going to tell us this. Of course, Zechariah has trouble with this, and he says in verse 18 to the angel, How am I going to know? How could this be? For I am an old man, and my wife is well stricken in years. Amen. And the angel answered unto him, I am Gabriel. Now you you got you to gotta know how this answer came. This is not passivity. This is not a timid response. This is a bold, emphatic declaration. I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. I'm speaking to you. I'm going to show you of something that's going to be great. <laughs> now, there's a little part here. 
It's not, it's not described, but I'm going to help you with it. And because of this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close your mouth. You're not going to be able to speak until the day that this is performed. Because thou did not believe my word. It's going to be fulfilled in its proper season, but you're not going to be able to speak. You're going to lose your voice. And the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he tarried so long in the temple. This is out of Norton. When he came out, he could not speak unto them. They had no idea. They thought he saw a vision. He beckoned them and remained speechless. And I speak today. We cannot lose our voice. We got to keep our voice. Amen. Now I know that we're standing and I... I just want us just to take one more moment and with our whole heart, with our mouth, our voice, to give a great cry out to the Lord, to lift our hands to God. Someone just cry out to God and say, Jesus, we want to receive your word today. Someone cry out, I need you, Lord. I call on you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. with your whole mouth, with your whole heart, with your voice, with your lungs. Shout out to God, Jesus! I need you, Jesus! I call on you, Jesus! Hallelujah. Amen. And I thank you for standing and you may be seated. I'm cognitive of the time and where we are. If we look into the scripture just a little farther, we will find that the angel of the Lord left Zacharias and in his proper time, not too long after that visitation, Elizabeth became pregnant with a child. She was found in the family way. And it wasn't until the baby was born that Zacharias would regain his voice. It happened eight days after the birth of the baby because that was the day when they would take a child and have him circumcised. And so in attendance, Zacharias and Elizabeth and there were other people there. In fact, the Bible just calls them by a pronoun, they. And they decided to name him after his father. In a more modern vernacular, we would just say, some people, somebody, they spoke. They don't have a name, but they have opinions. They don't have a standing, but they have an idea. They don't have any authority, but they have a philosophy. There's a lot of they out there. And when Zechariah was asked, and when his wife was asked, she said, well, we want to name him John. But they turned to the father, because ultimately it's the father that has the last word when it comes to a name. Rachel was going to have a baby, and in her great sorrow, she had a baby. And 
She wanted to name him son of my sorrow, but Jacob knew how important a name was. He said, oh no, I know what his mother named him, but I'm his father and I'm going to name him Benjamin, son of my right hand. So ultimately, when it's all said and done with, it's the Father that gets to name you. There is one Lord, there's one faith, there's one baptism. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. And your Father has given you a name. I don't care how you came into this world. Your Heavenly Father has given you a name, and that name is His name. All the family of heaven and earth is named after that name. And when Zacharias was asked, What would you prefer? The Bible says that he called for a writing tablet because he could not speak. And he wrote the name John. And they said, they said, well, there is none of thy kindred that's called by that name. No one in your family is named John. They were trying to dissuade him from obeying the voice of the angel. But when Zacharias wrote the name John, immediately he regained his voice. The Bible says that John began to speak. And the moment he began to speak, he gave praise to God. Nine months and many days later was the cost of his unbelief. The archangel Gabriel, of which we know is ranked in the highest of the order or the tier of spiritual authorities, which occupy that other realm. Gabriel was the messenger sent by God with a name. But Zacharias did not believe it. He doubted And he dismissed his own aged prayer and the age of his own life. But in response to the message, Zechariah questioned the word of the Lord. He doubted the promise of God and he looked inward at his own ability. And Zechariah offered no room for this angel, but rejected the most powerful authority he had ever seen or had ever heard. Up until this time, none had been witness to the wonder of such spiritual authority. The last time Gabriel was recording the Bible was over 500 years when he came to deliver a message to the prophet Daniel. No one had ever heard of Gabriel since that time, but they knew who Gabriel was. And the stories of Daniel was well known and often rehearsed among the temple priests and the Levites. Of this we are certain. They knew of the spirit world, but like unto the days of Eli, the word of the Lord was rare. There was no open vision. It was function without revelation. It was temple duty without descending glory. Zacharias was simply doing the work of the temple. He maintained the incense. He made certain of the fragrance and of its purity. He was careful to follow the pattern set a thousand years prior by Moses and Aaron and the order of the priesthood. But he did not understand the power that lay beyond the realm of his daily duty. The smoke that rose from the altar of incense was constantly rising, which gave light to the prayers of the people, and they were to be perpetual. David once said, May my prayers be set before you like incense. Why? Because the prayers of the saints matter to God. Your prayers matter to God. And I will tell you that when you pray in the spirit with a desire for God, they will never ever fade away. They may not come to pass today or tomorrow, but your prayers are always floating around the throne of grace. They rise like an aroma of incense. Don't ever let your prayer go out. Prayers are 
purposeful pleas and they are necessary for all of us even Paul will write to the New Testament church he says pray without ceasing never stop praying never stop seeking the Lord in fact when you don't see anything move keep praying when you feel doubt kind of kind of kind of scoot into your life and, and, and kind of make its way you keep praying when you feel fear you keep praying when the enemy is talking to you you keep praying when you are overwhelmed with the burdens of this life you keep praying let the end sins go up before the Lord I would just say the lights can't go out and the incense must be burning water may run dry but the incense must be burning the need may come and go but the fire is critical and the rise and aroma is a demand of our holy God we have to continually pray so whether you are in need or you are past the point of your desperation. Prayers are always in demand. They're always in order. It's always time to pray. Amen. Amen. And Zechariah was part of this group. And their, their, their commission was to keep the incense burning day and night and night and day. Week after week. And they had to be faithful men. They had to be on time men. Punctual and consistent. And they were chosen to maintain the burning of the incense. Because they had to be that, those kind of men. They were the most faithful and consecrated men of all of Israel. They knew their purpose and they fulfilled it. There were no sick days. There were no personal days. They were the keepers of the incense, the continual rising of the smoke and the fragrance that gave reflection to the ongoing desperate need of the entire nation. There was always someone trying to stop the prayer, however, and, and, and there was always something in the way. The crowd was always trying to attempt to stop or thwart the things of God. They will always be around. They will always have something to say. They will say, well, it doesn't work. They'll say, well, I've tried that before, but they don't know the power of your God. I would just tell you, if you need to be healed right now out in this open air, you can be healed. There's a large crowd leaving Jericho. It looks like all the dignitaries are leaving Jericho. And Jesus is in the front and his disciples are clamoring around him and all the followers and off in the distance as they're leaving Jericho, there's a man sitting by the highway side begging and he hears that Jesus is coming by and he just yells out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. They tried to quiet him. You're making too much noise. There's too much racket out here. They always quiet him. And when he heard them quiet him, he decided, I will just call out one more time. Because when you are in a need of a healing, it doesn't care, care. You don't care where you're sitting or where you're at or what's going on. If you need to be healed right now, you just cry out, Jesus, heal my body. Heal me, Lord. Have mercy on me. I'll tell you what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid that the American church and the Christian church, we've got too comfortable. We're waiting for the appropriate time to be appropriate. Let me tell you, prayer is always an order. A cry of God is always an order. You should never wait for crying to cry out to God, but say, Jesus, heal my body. The crowd they're always there. The Pharisees tried to steal the crowd of worshipers when Jesus entered into Jerusalem. The people were crying out, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna is he, is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. And the Pharisees were trying to squash that. 
Even Jeremiah the prophet, as he warned the people of the coming destruction of the nation, he did all he could to turn them from their sins and their fleshly and lazy ways. And his preaching came at a cost to his own body. And Jeremiah said, since I spake about the coming trouble, he said, I suffered derision on a daily basis he said everybody mocked me until I told myself I will not make mention of him anymore I'm not going to speak of his name anymore but then Jeremiah came to his senses and he said but his word was in my heart a burning fire shut up in my bones and I was weary with forbearing and I could not stay I was tired of being quiet I was tired of being still they told me you should be quiet but I rose up and said I got a burning fire in my belly I just want you to know somebody is always mocking the children of God somebody is always going to stop us or try to stop us or thwart what we're doing for the kingdom of God we have yet to hear and feel any real persecution but you will you will be opposed amen here's the scripture when they had brought them They set them before the council, and the high priest asked Peter and John, saying, Did we not straightly command you that you should not teach in this name? And behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. And then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. I wish we would never stop preaching. I wish we would fill all of our counties and all of Terre Haute and all of Brazil and all the area around with our doctrine of Jesus Christ. We will not stop preaching. We've got to retain our voice. You've got to have your voice. Amen. Amen. Someone or something is set in your life to keep you from total commitment. Because the last thing that the enemy wants for New Life Fellowship and for all of us is for the people that know the truth to live the truth. I can know something, but that doesn't mean I'm obeying what I know. And the council, the, the, uh, the Pharisees and that Sanhedrin, they could not tolerate Peter and John the apostles. They couldn't tolerate it. Now, if they, had, if they had just known the name and not used the name, they would have passed that by. They were fine as long as no one was talking about the doctrine. Here it is. You can believe what you want, just don't speak it. That's what's happened in our world today. You can believe anything you want, just don't tell anybody. We want, we're, we're told to be put into the closet. Listen, you can believe in Jesus and the cross and speaking in tongues. Just don't share it. Don't talk about it at work. Don't talk about it at school. Don't bring this thing anywhere. But I rise up to say today we cannot lose our voice wherever I go. I'm a tongue talker. I'm a Jesus name baptizing. I'm a Holy Ghost filled. I'm a believer doing the work. I'm not just thinking it. I'm living it. And sometimes it's the government, and sometimes it's a co-worker, and sometimes it's a friend, and sometimes it might be family. Someone's going to stand in the way of your prayer and your cry. They would quiet you all day long if they could. They would denounce your commitment if you let them. But God has called all of us to be faithful in our life. We must be faithful. And I'm glad for the faithful. Let me just tell you, as a pastor, I'm glad for the faithful. I'm glad that you are here today. It brings my heart great joy that we would come today. Thank God for faithful people. 
if any of you have ever been in charge of anything, have ever led anything, have ever started a small business, have any, have any, any leadership whatsoever, you're grateful for people just to show up. That's faithful. God has called us to be faithful. And I'm blessed by those who are committed to the cause of Jesus Christ. Zechariah was a committed man, and yet there was something above that high level of faithfulness. It was and it is receiving the word of promise by faith and not doubting the word. We will lose our voice when we doubt the promise of God. We lose our spiritual authority when we say, I know I prayed about it, but I don't think it's going to happen. Don't ever say those words. When God gives you a promise, it doesn't matter what it looks like or how long it's been. You just say, God's faithful. I don't know when, I don't know where, but I know the Lord's going to do the work. I was, I was taught that it's darkest right before the dawn. I was taught that, taught that the bleakest night comes to the next moment. There's a bright and shining light breaking forth. I would say, don't ever give up on your prayer. No matter what they look like or what they sound like, tomorrow can be a brand new day and the prodigal and the need and the healing is going to come. Wherever you're sitting, clap your hands unto the Lord and shout unto God praises to the Lord. He's a good God. <laughs> Moses sent 10 spies that came back with a negative report. There were 12 in all. They weren't just ordinary men. They didn't receive the word of promise. They lost their entry because they did not receive it. They weren't just the typical man. They were leaders they were the chosen men from each of the tribe. They were the best of their groups, but they rejected the word of the promise of God. They did what Zacharias did. They questioned their own ability. I'm just going to tell you, in our own ability, none of this can happen. This is not manipulation. This is the Lord's work. And if you say, well, uh, you know what? I, I gave $1,000 or I gave $500 or I gave $100. It was the Lord that put that in your hand and the Lord that put it in your heart so that you could release it from your hand. It was all the Lord. The Lord did all of this. It wasn't us. It was the Lord. And if we just remember that this is the work of the Lord, this is God's work, this is God's house, this is God's tent, this is God's parking lot. <laughs> Pick whatever you want. They just said, we don't think we can do it. I, I want to relay something to you. And I, I, I've said it many times, but I, I feel that we need to know it. It, it. Please don't receive it in an elementary way. Think a little deeper. Here's what you need to know. Our God is enough. In fact, he's beyond the requirement. He's more than what you need. You're never going to tap him out. You're never going to reach the bottom of the barrel of his resources. You're never going to get to a point and say, man, we just barely made it. He's more than what you'll ever need in your life. He's greater than the great of your life. He's more sufficient than anything you've ever encountered. And when you get to the end, there's a lot more of God. And in fact, when you understand him, there's a lot more that you don't understand. Our God is enough. <laughs> Our God is able. 
all by himself. His calling. It's without repentance. He's looking for our consecrated people who will also receive the word with an open heart. So I want to com- I urge you, I compel you, stop looking at what you don't have. I got another one. Stop remembering what you've done wrong. Your memory is an affront to the blood of Jesus. That's just the devil trying to keep you from doing the kingdom work. I want to tell you about the Lord that saved your life. Not only did he redeem you, but his blood has already made an atonement for your past. And you're remembering things that he cannot remember. You're seeing something that the blood has already covered. You just have to receive the promise with your open hand. And you need to do what Zacharias did at the end. When John was born and he opened up his mouth, he began to praise God out of his mouth. You ought to praise the Lord out of your mouth. When you're in trouble, you ought to say, thank you, Lord, I love you. When there's no answer, you ought to say, thank you, Lord. When you feel like the heavens are brass and your prayers can't rise above the ceiling, open up your mouth and say, I thank you, Lord. I don't know what's going on, but I just want to pause and thank you, Lord, because you cannot lose your voice. I'm I'm going to tell you how you lose your voice. You lose your voice when you believe the report of the enemy and when you doubt what God has done in your life. And you lose your spiritual authority. You lose your spiritual authority when you dismiss the word of the Lord and the powerful word that comes to your life. Don't ever dismiss that. Because the moment you do that, you've lost your power. You cannot convince the world that he is the saving God. At the same time, you're saying, well, he didn't do it for me, but maybe he can do it for you. You have no authority. You're not going to reach anyone for the kingdom if you're doubting God on one hand and trying to promote him on the other hand. No, you can't bring forth bitter and sweet water at the same time. So I rise to say today, outside, somebody ought to lift up their voice and say, God can, he will, I receive it. I don't care how long it's been. My God is able. He's more than enough. When I was through with this, then the Lord, I got in my car and I was driving home and the Lord asked me a question. And I know when the Lord asked me a question, he's not wanting me to answer the question so that he knows the answer. I'm not telling God something he doesn't know. The Lord never asked a question that he doesn't already know the answer to. In fact, his question is either by revelation from me or to point out something I'm doing wrong. <laughs> When the Lord said, where are you, Adam and Eve? They didn't hide from him. He knew exactly where they were. He was trying to point out, oh, you've been disobedient. (laughs) The Lord asked me a question. Because I I looked at this. and As I looked through the scripture, Abraham said almost the exact same thing that Zacharias said. In Genesis 17, when the word finally came, 25 years too late, Abraham fell on his face and laughed. He said in his heart, shall a child be born unto me? I'm 100 years old and my wife is 90 years old. Is she going to bear a child? It was almost the exact same words as Zacharias. 
both Abraham and Zacharias said virtually the same reply to the Lord. <laughs> the Lord put the question in my spirit, and he asked me when I got in the car, well, what was the difference between those two men? <laughs> so I'm thinking, I don't know, Lord. That's what I usually reply when he gives me a question. I just say, I'm, I've learned this. I say, Lord, you know. Why don't you tell me? Because <laughs> whatever I say, I know it's going to be wrong. Come on, come on, men. You know what to say. You know what I'm talking about. You should have had a lot of practice. I'm not sure. What do you think? <laughs> do you like this? I'm not sure. What do you think? <laughs> okay, I'm going with that one. The answer that the Lord put in my spirit was this that Abraham was the precedent, he was the setting of the precedent, he set the standard, and God did the impossible. Abraham had no reference, he moved without evidence, he lived without an example. He followed with blind faith. And the Lord credited him with righteousness because he believed in a God that called those things which be not as though they were. But he also became the witness for every person who was presented with a challenge by the Lord. You see, God gave Zacharias a witness in Abraham. And being a priest and a follower of the Torah, Zacharias knew Abraham's testimony. And the difference was that Abraham had no witness, but Zechariah had a witness. So God did not close Abraham's mouth because he didn't know any better. But after Abraham had that promise from God, everyone else has had to go back and say, wait, if God could do it for Abraham, he could do it for me. So here's the difference between the two men. One set the precedent and the other should have been looking and saying, listen, God already did that in Abraham. And if he can do that in Abraham, he can do it in me. And we've got a whole book of people that God blessed and healed and brought them out. And if he can do it for them, he can do it for you. You cannot lose your voice. I just want you to know you can be healed today. Of cancer. And you can be healed of incurable diseases because God's already healed. He already healed all the lepers. He touched them. They came. The disciples touched them. The lepers can be healed. You can be healed of a horrible emotional duress. You can be delivered of every oppressive spirit. He's done that. He, he has come to set the captive free. He's come to give you liberty in the Holy Ghost. He's come to do all of that. You can't lose your voice by doubting God. Can you imagine if every day you got up and said, well, I don't know if the Lord wants me to be here. You would have a very unsettled family. If you said every day, I like this house, but I don't know if we're going to live here tomorrow. And I don't know. And I doubt if God brought me. God brought you all the way right here. It was ordained of God on his calendar to bring us under this tent and in this place on this parking lot on this first day of October. I want to tell you, it was ordained of God so that you could hear the word. Don't walk away and say it was say that was for me because I I know the Lord can do the work. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. I'm wondering when we're going to lose 
the confines that we put around the work of God or the moving of the Spirit. Because we've got this thought, he's got to move in a particular way. You, you, Lord, when I, when I pray prayer, you got to do it in the time frame of my ability. But God doesn't work that way. Because if he allowed Gideon to win the war with 32,000, Gideon might have said, well, you know, we didn't have a lot, but we had enough. But when the Lord stripped him down and he only had 300 men, he knew it had to be God. Because we can't win any battle with tens of thousands against us with only 300. And Zechariah should have said, I know it's been a long time since I prayed that prayer. But the Lord had whittled me down. So if we have a baby, it's got to be by God. And we've got precedent today that everyone in this house can be healed and delivered and restored. Because God has already done the work. It's already written down in the book. I wonder if there's a witness in this house. The Lord has brought me out and he can bring you out. Yes. You, you, you don't have to wonder. There's a lot of former drug addicts in this place. There's a lot of former alcoholics in this place. There are a lot of former addicts of all kinds in our church. And such were some of you. There's a lot of people that were lost in the world doing unsavory things and such were some of you. But now you're washed and now you're justified and now you're brought out. Now listen, I haven't led the church in a way where we always expose our past. I don't think that's always necessary or needful. But I just want you to know, there's a lot of people that have struggled with many things. And they provide a witness for your life. They're sitting right close by you. You don't know, but the Lord restored their mind. He recaptured their soul. He lifted them up. He brought them out of a miry clay. When they were lost and didn't know what to do, and they were, they were on the verge of committing suicide, the Lord said, hold on a second. I got a place, and I got a house, and I got blood, and I got the Holy Spirit for you, and I got a healing for you. You can't lose your voice. Don't doubt God. Don't doubt the Lord or the word of God. You've got to have your voice. I praise you. I give you praise, Lord. In my darkest hour, I give you praise, Lord. In my, in my, in my darkest moment, I shout a shout of victory. Stand with me now, if you will. And those on the outside, you don't have to stand, I guess. But if you want to, you can. And I can't see it, but you can hear me. Paul, Paul is, he's going to say, I got a lot to boast about if I wanted to boast. So I, was a, I was a zealot and a Pharisee. And I got a lot of things. I, he said, I'm educated. I was consecrated. Even as touching the law, we're talking about a man who was so devoted, but he said, I'd rather boast in my infirmities. 
There's things you can boast about and some things you ought to let it, let it go. I boast in my struggle because in my struggle, I learned to lean on God and call on God. Because in my infirmities, I kept my faith. And that was a lot more than a diploma or a bank account or some intellectual position or some philosophy. And I'm, I'm thankful for all of that. If you got the wherewithal, exercise your mind, your brain, expand that. But just know those are not things you boast about. You boast about your affliction because you kept your faith in God. Here's what we boast about. Even when I didn't know if the prayer was ever heard, I kept praying and letting the incense go up before the Lord. When I lost the ability, come on, Elizabeth and Zacharias, when we lost our ability to produce, you can't lose your voice. You got to believe that God can still do the, the impossible even when you lose your own ability to do it. Amen. And God is going to bless your life. And here's what you're going to do. I praise you in the morning, Lord. I open up my mouth and give you praise and glory, Lord. When it looks like things are really getting bad, I'm just going to thank you, Lord, for your goodness, Lord. Because in everything, I'm going to give thanks. That's the will of God for my life. <laughs> and when they come along to say, you'll never do that. You'll never get there in God. That will never happen. Just know this. Those voices have always been around. But God's greater than all of that doubt. You just don't receive the doubt. I'm glad you're faithful. But there's something beyond being faithful. I'm glad you're consecrated, but there's one more step. It's just a little bit higher than that high level of consecration and faithfulness. It's receiving the word of the Lord and never losing your faith in God. You're going to say to me, Pastor, you don't understand where I've been, what I've done. I know. I'll never really understand it. But the Lord knows, and he still loves you. And he still cares about your life. And he's still calling for you. Just believe God's going to restore your life. He's going to bless you. He's, gonna br he's bringing you out. If you're here today and you feel like you need to be restored in your life, I need some restoration. I want you to come and stand with me right now. We're just making this front an altar space. So if there's anybody who feels like they need to be restored, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Come. Thank you. Come. Thank you. Come. Thank you. Come. I'm, 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 I'm needing some restoration. I want to be restored. I got some. Thank you. Come. Come. Listen, nobody cares. Forget about everybody else. We're coming because the Lord's. You're, you're doing an act of faith and God's going to restore your life. I'm, I'm calling for some restoration right now. And if you're not coming to the front, I want you to lift your faith in your hands and your voice. And I want you to pray over every everybody that's coming to the front here. Come close. Step Two more steps to the front. Come closer. Come closer. Come closer. Come closer. Thank you. Thank you. Just say it. I need you, Lord. It's, it's just a simple thing. 
I need you, Lord. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Restore to me my help and my strength, Lord. 